welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Hello. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Thanks, Yuri. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. I'm excited for you to join me. Uh, so if I may, where are you calling from? I am in California in San Francisco. Oh, great. So how mm-hmm. is how is San Francisco these days? You know, it's it's going. It's <laughs> there's things happening. <laughs> the city is is uh It's turned into basically like a homeless shelter, unfortunately. Um, And, and, you know, we we get them from all over the world. They all come because we give them so many wonderful things like free booze and cigarettes. Not that I'm trying to get more or anything, but um, we're uh, promote that. But Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of homeless people in our city right now, unfortunately. So it's, yeah. That's where I'm. That's where I am. But I'm fine in my little sanctuary of my apartment, and yeah. I've got my piano, and I'm, you know, I'm. We're enjoying our time together, my husband and I. That's mm-hmm. um, that's what's been going on in San Francisco. Yeah, I'm gonna stay positive. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, so I've, yeah. I, I work my day job with a large tech company, and so I spend, well, I used to spend a lot more time in San Francisco. And, oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, the Bay Area is like the hub for all is. of that. All the, tech, yeah. all the tech places love San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, we're very innovative. We're quick to, you know, we're kind of scrappy in a way. It's, it's awesome because mm-hmm. I, I kind of dabble in the tech and the arts world as well. Hmm. And it's just, it's always exciting to be in the mix, um, you know, and it, it's when you're in that bubble, it just, it's, it's like, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing cool things, creating new things that are going to shape the world, you know, so it's, it's fun to be here. Yeah, yeah. that is a positive side of California. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. So for my audience who is less familiar with your work, how do mm-hmm. you describe yourself and what you do? Well, I am a singer songwriter under the stage name Empress. And um, basically, before that, I was a professional ballerina for San Francisco Ballet for about 11 years Mm -hmm. and transitioned onto the Broadway stage. Um, uh, For a couple years, I did a show called An American Paris on Broadway, where I was an original ensemble member and then um, later got to do the lead role, which was really exciting and cool and that opened up a whole lot of doors and um you know going from the silent world of ballet into a very loud world of broadway kind of opened up a can of worms and now i can't shut up so that's that's a little nutshell about me (laughs) of course there's a lot of blood sweat and tears involved with all of the above but um but for the most part i am now you know just singing and songwriting and composing and enjoying life yeah what's well, wonderful so let's <laughs> yeah. let's uh let's let's first let me ask about 
the you know the elephant in the room so uh, <laughs> yes empress which, i know yeah uh, thank you for calling it your stage name so where where did that name yes. come from okay so basically thank you for asking that question because it is a big you know hot pink elephant in the room um basically i came up with the name empress due to the fact that i for the first time in my artistic career felt like i was finally the ruler over my my own life and my own art mm -hmm. and um for for you know most of my life i was created on and i wasn't really you know you feel like you're you're creative of course but it's like you're the, the car and somebody else is steering it kind of mm. throughout my entire career. I just felt like, um, you know, being artistic meant something very different than it does for me today. And mm -hmm. kind of discovering this freedom and creativity within myself um, and becoming kind of, if you will, the artist and the canvas and the paint and, you know, just like the creative behind it all. Um, it, it felt very empowering and I, I wanted to find a name that kind of embodied that because I also really love the art of performing and I think it's really healthy to kind of have a, a character that you're being on stage and then you take off the costume at the end of the night and you become your normal self and, and, and you kind of know a diff like there's a boundary and a, and a, a line that you know like okay well I'm going to be performing as Empress today and then when I go home I'm not Empress anymore mm. and I think that's really uh, like as far as my <laughs> my experience in the ballet and on Broadway it's really healthy to kind of have like a character and then take off that character and you're normal again because you can get lost I think as an artist um, in the music world especially it's like you're performing all the time if you don't kind of have that separation so um so it was important for me to find a, a name and then i could not believe that empress was not taken it was like i when i because my husband's an attorney so we were like looking into it and like nope there's there's a couple artists that have similar names but um they're not empress they didn't just plain old take empress which is you know it's a big bite to chew let's let's be honest like i called my music attorney a few years ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to pick a stage name and, you know, I want to get your honest opinion on this stage name. And I was like, Empress. And he's like, I hate it. I was like, great. I wanted an honest reaction. <laughs> and I wanted it to be like, you know, okay, it's a, that's a strong reaction. Great. Awesome. And he goes, why would you ever choose, you know, a name like that? And I was like, well, I think it's like, it's really badass. It's like, you know, I'm a female boss, basically, you know, and it's, it's like, it's empress. I'm not trying to rule over anyone else. I'm ruling over my own life and wanting to inspire others to do the same. And he was just like, um, I, oh, and then I asked him a question, actually. I said, you know, why do you think nobody's actually just gone balls to the walls and just called themselves empress? He goes, um, <laughs> what did he say? He said, uh, no one has the balls to call themselves Empress. And I was like, great. That's exactly why I'm doing it. Cause there's really never been an artist like in my world anyway, the, from the ballet world, it's like, we're literally a visual art form. It's not, you're not heard ever, you know, like we take a lot of pride in bashing our point shoes in to make them super soft and mushy so that they don't make noise when we land from big jumps. I mean, like that's, we are a visual art form. We are not a sonic anything. We dance to music, but it's, it's not ours. So, you know, like 
it's it's a loud name uh and coming from the from the ballad silent world you know it feels it feels exciting and empowering and and i just want to inspire other people to take ownership of their own life and be the empress or emperor over their own you know empire that they're creating because really we're all the creator of our own happiness and so you know Mm -hmm. just spread the empowerment here we are (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that was a great question and i hope i answered that um you know (laughs) so that the pink elephant can go home exactly no that's that's (laughs) absolutely that was absolutely great so Mm -hmm. i'm it, it I'm curious then about that moment. So, well, I'm, I'm going to ask you yeah. about your, your career in the past, but you, you mentioned that there was a moment when you wanted to, I guess, claim your art for yourself. And that's where Empress arrived from. So what, mm-hmm. what was that moment and what did it look like and feel like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, to be honest, it was like, there's this one concert that I did where I just, I'd been going back and forth with, should I throw away everything that I've done and like try to redefine myself as Empress or as a, as a singer songwriter? This isn't, this is before I even called myself Empress. Um, I was trying to figure out a way to kind of get away from the, the stereotype that I had kind of fallen into. And, and it was kind of frustrating, I guess, for me, as a ballerina on Broadway because everyone called me a prima ballerina whereas when I was at the ballet I was this Broadway star so I could never be you know just a ballerina in the ballet or a Broadway actress on Broadway it was like I was always something else wherever I was to people and it was super frustrating because it was like wait I'm actually a really good actress um I'm singing better than people who call themselves singers and I've never sung before. And, you know, I felt like I was really proud of that and not egotistical about it, but just being like real, you know, this is, this is, I'm proud of what I'm doing. And, um, basically, uh, I was, I was thinking that in order to become a singer, I was going to have to throw away my ballet and my acting training and all that fun stuff. So, um, for a long time, I was thinking like, no, I'm just going to sing. I'm just going to, you know, play music and blah, blah, blah. And I went to this, I, I did this concert and I decided to throw on my point shoes at the end and just see like, you know, how the audience reacted. And it was like a very loud venue as I went to college kids and, you know, everyone, there was a million other things to do then like just stop and listen to my music for an hour basically it's what it's that's how it felt (laughs) and I put my point shoes on and it got completely silent like crickets that you could hear the the clock you know it was like quiet like I got their attention and I did an entire number like on my toes basically while singing Mm. and then you know danced and did this whole thing and and I realized like I'm creating my own empire and it doesn't look like anything else that, that um, has happened in the past or in the future. It's like, there's never been an artist, you know, that, that came from my world. Like a, there's a lot of artists that say they did, but I'm sorry, there's, you know, being in the San Francisco ballet or in a big ballet company for over a decade is like, you know, that's, there's never been an artist that's done something like that. And I don't think anyone would argue with me by saying that. So just kind of create, and I hope I'm not coming off. It's sounding egotistical. It was just like, it was my revelation that, wait, 
I don't have to compare myself to anybody else. I don't have to throw away anything that I've ever done in my entire life because I should be proud of all of them. And then now I can do them all in the same place for the first time ever, really. So mm-hmm. for me, I was like, that was so empowering. It was so cool. It was definitely, you know, that was the big aha moment that I had where I was like, okay, I need to dream bigger than I've ever dreamed. And then I, I could not believe that Empress was not like a taken. I I literally just got, um, well, I have a, a couple attorneys, but the, um, the trademark attorney I was working with like a couple years ago, he's like, you're not going to get Empress like that. You're not going <laughs> to, there's no way that they're going to like let you, you know, patent or not patent um trademark like that name because it's such a broad stroke name well I literally just got it like two two months ago in the mail I got my little letter saying it's registered trademark under you know my my personal name as empress I'm like I own it I own the name so it's that's pretty special so it took a couple years but whatever (laughs) it was fun (laughs) yeah wow that's wow so um So does that mean you'd be selling T-shirts with the name Empress on them? Yeah, now I can legally legally use the name forever, so that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) And if anyone else tries to, you know, take the stage name, then I have the rights to defend myself, apparently. Mm -hmm. I probably won't have to do that because, like my attorney said, nobody has the balls to call themselves Empress. Maybe a Disney Here I am. But yeah. Yeah, that's right. Totally. But I feel like it'd be Empress, like with a name, you know, it's like Empress Mimi or something, you know, (laughs) it's like, I don't know how I came up with that one, but okay. That's right. That one to you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. There you go, Disney. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) I'd like to, (laughs) I'd like to back up a little bit um, and talk about your, your dance, your dance life. So where did your love of dance come from and, and what was that like from the beginning? You know, there there really is something upstairs like that has the master plan for you because there is no reason that I, you know, from the small town of Lake Tahoe, California, and a family that has never done dance before um, to have become a professional ballerina. Like there's absolutely no reason to, for that to have happened, but it did. And I think that there was some fate that you know was decided it was like a destiny basically but I mean because I really don't know how that happened Mm -hmm. I think part of me is just like yeah I always knew I was going to be a ballerina and the other part of me is like how did I know I was going to be a ballerina I mean there's there's no one in my family there's no one in my town um, to look up to or to like get that from. And I know a lot of girls say, oh, I wanted to be a ballerina when I was a kid too, but I wasn't really around those kids. They were all like athletes and they weren't into the arts. So I don't, I don't really know, but it happened and mm-hmm. I'm grateful for it every, every uh, moment. And I'm, I'm grateful that my mom was like, not a stage mom, but she was, um, or not like the the stereotypical dance moms that like pushes you into things, but she was kind of more of like, um, I don't know, she was just very attentive. Like mm-hmm. she'd ask me questions after dance classes, like, okay, well, what did you learn? If, and if I um, stopped having those moments of like learning in class, she'd be like, well, I'm not paying for a class where you're not learning. So we're going to go to another dance studio and, you know, you're going to be 
you know, in a different class so that you are learning something. So I think it was almost like, it wasn't even being a cheapskate. She was just like, no, I'm not wasting your time, my time, you know, like our money to not learn. So she kept on moving me from studio to studio and I kept getting better and having to move to other studios really because <laughs> the, the town, it just, um, that I grew up in, I had so many dance teachers um, and I grew out of so many dance teachers and, you know, into new ones. And they all gave me a little gift, um, you know, that kind of helped me get to the next level. And, and I basically auditioned for San Francisco Ballet School um, when I was 13. And it was a summer intensive audition. And I remember going there and we went to San Francisco and I was so nervous, but I showed up like eating an in and out burger and <laughs> having a milkshake. My hair was a mess. I always have these like baby hairs. And so it was never slicked back, you know, and I had um, big ears and just like an awkwardly long body and, you know, super skinny. So it was just like, I was just super awkward. I had like two leotards that I would like, you know, go from black or black. And, you know, I had a hole in my tights and we pull up to this big gigantic ballet studio building where all of the, the studios are like kind of equivalent to like a football stadium. In my opinion, it was like, they were massive. There's a real piano and a real pianist playing for class. And there was these like famous dancers that I had read about in magazines that were walking around because the company is on the fourth floor and the school's on the second floor so you kind of see sometimes you see like the celebrity ballerinas so I was totally in over my head there were these like sisters that showed up that were so talented they like could get their leg behind their head I was super super unflexible until I was like you know doing it full-time but um but somehow after all of that, I get a full merit scholarship to go to the summer intensive, and that changed my life forever. So I basically got invited to come back for the year-round program, and then mm -hmm. within about a year, I went from level six through eight, which is the highest level, and then I got an apprenticeship, which was, this is like insane, by the way, because there's girls that have been in the school by the way, for like, you know, their entire lives, like they basically crawled into ballet class when they were mm -hmm. born. And then they're still there. And they're like way better than I was. Um, and I worked my little patootie off because I was, you know, I was so far behind really in my schooling, mm -hmm. but I loved it so much. And I was like, I think that actually the love for dance, um, got me a, a position in the ballet company. So I was hired at 16 years old at San Francisco Ballets, you know, and like my dream company. And the rest is history, you know, it was, it was a dream come true. It was a really cool career. And I'm so grateful that I did it first because it's also the hardest career that I've done so far. <laughs> and so I definitely couldn't have done it in uh, reverse order because I don't think, uh, it works like that, first of all, but second of all, I don't think I could have done it. it. It's a really challenging profession and check off my list of things to do before I die. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, it's good you got that out of the way early. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the only way you really should do it. Uh, yeah. You know, you have to be young and naive um, to, to get through it sometimes. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. just so hard. 
So you you mentioned, I guess, the love of dance as, as being kind of one of the dis, the distinguishing factors. But was there, because you've mentioned a few times that you weren't the most talented person, at least in your eyes there, was there was there anything else that you maybe were doing at that same time or, you know, things you were reading or people you were talking yeah. to in the dance world that, that you think helped propel you from where you were to being in the company at such a young age? I think I was kind of like a puppy dog, like in, in the sense that, and my dad gave this to all of our, like all of his children. Um, we have this thing called loser's amnesia. Like we never remember losing. We only remember like the good things in life. We're yeah. like, oh, I played so well today. And you're, and my mom, you know, will be like, you lost the tennis match. And you're like, did I? Oh my gosh. Wow. Like I just, I played so well though. Like how did I lose? You know, it's like, <laughs> we don't remember losing. And I think that really actually was, um, was a, a huge, um, you know, asset to like making it and, and kind of sticking with it for as long as I did. Um, mm-hmm. the, the fact that I was never afraid to ask for help. Um, if there was a dancer that I really looked up to, I wasn't afraid to walk up to them and just ask like, Hey, how did you do that? Because I want to do that. And <laughs> I don't know how, <laughs> and they would, um, they it's it's interesting when when you ask for help and you're open to receiving mm-hmm. people will give it to you and so i was always kind of receptive and i was also everybody's biggest fan which surprisingly um or maybe not so surprisingly in the performing arts it's it's a highly competitive industry and i don't think people um remember to be supportive of each other because we're all in it together you know and and so I was always really supportive and and it was like um I think it was a very genuine support it wasn't like trying to get something from someone I'd just be like wow that was amazing you're incredible like bravo and that goes a long way because then you have you have a group of people that know that they're loved and so they feel safe to love you back and it's it's really cool so I actually had a great career of course there's like I mean, there's a lot of downsides to being in a, in a ballet company as far as, you know, just like having to watch your weight constantly and, you know, always auditioning and always, you know, things, but again, I have loser's amnesia. So it's like, it's easier for me to remember all the good, you know, especially um, looking back, it's like, I, I kind of forget until I watch a ballet, you know, video or something or I go see the ballet I'm like oh god I remember I had to do that part and I was like my foot was broken and pretty much like didn't know the ballet and the costume didn't fit so they you know it's like all the the memories kind of do come back but um (laughs) but if I look back it was beautiful you know beautiful memory (laughs) yeah well that's 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 a good thing to look back and and remember so Mm -hmm. so you were in this world let's say from 2004 to 2015 or roughly somewhere yeah so how how did the dance world evolve between or at least evolve to you personally between the time that you were first accepted at 16 to when you chose to leave in 2015 so like how did the dance evolve? is that is that yeah um yeah so uh very much it it evolved a lot because actually as you get older um there's something that happens where maturity wise and your intelligence there's like this peak that meets the physicality because when you're young you have really little I would say or no you're focused on when you're younger and and training 
to become a ballerina, you focus on the technique more than anything. I was kind of lucky because I had a couple um, teachers who actually focused on the artistry of it all. But um, for the most part, you um, are, as, as a kid, you're only focused on technique. And then when you get into the company, you're expected to be an, become an artist. And, and the technique is, is like the backbone, but everything else needs to develop. So there's this really cool thing that happens with dancers after about, you know, if they, if they can, if their bodies can last, um, you know, long enough, there's this thing that happens. It's the technique and the, the, you know, physicality of dance and then the artistry and the kind of like intelligence that you've accumulated over the years the knowledge kind of meet at this point and that's what I call the, the peak of your career and I I felt like I got that basically like the week before I left San Francisco Ballet <laughs> I was like nailing it I got the peak and then it was like I'm gone bye you know it's like so I left uh, at a high point I, I um, felt very proud of like the artist that I was um, you know and, and all the experience that I had kind of getting to that place you know there's a lot of blood sweat and tears that go along with the anything that you want to do if you want to become great at it mm -hmm. um but but it was worth it at that one you know peak moment and then I went to you know to Broadway and at my peak and then I kind of you know it, it was such a different world that it didn't really matter <laughs> it was like it was like you know, you have to be good at so many things on Broadway. Um, whereas in the ballet, it's like you're you're just focused on ballet. I mean, yeah. so so it's very very different. And also, you're doing one show eight times a week versus learning nine ballets, performing three different ones at night every night. You know, so that's the difference in a ballet company. It's just a lot of rehearsals, a lot of learning ballets, a few performances and they're, you know, do or die. And then you move on. Mm -hmm. But with Broadway, it's like, it's like you're on that train for a while. As long as the show stays open, you're still doing eight shows a week. And so you can kind of jump on that train. I mean, you still have to do it every day, twice a day. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a totally different thing. I would, I would say it's similar to like sprinting versus long distance running. Mm -hmm. Broadway being the long distance running. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So what was it that made you want to move from, from ballet at your peak to then going to Broadway? You know, um, well, to be honest, so there was this performance that we did, like, I think eight or nine years before I went to Broadway where they had me sing. And this is the first time I had ever sung. I didn't sing happy birthday to my family as a kid. Like there was none of that. All of a sudden I'm singing in front of a sold out opera house, which is like over 3000 people for the first time. It was the most horrifying thing to break the silence at the silent ballet ever. I mean, it was, it was, everything's been downhill after that. Um, so that night I performed um, and I got, you know, thankfully, God, thank God people clapped for me but they actually gave me like a standing ovation and it was a it was kind of a really cool experience because no one knew how the audience was going to react to a dancer singing you know <laughs> in a ballet nonetheless um and that night there was this this choreographer sitting in the house um named Christopher Wilden and he was the director and choreographer of an American in Paris on Broadway and so he saw me that night 
perform and sing and then like eight years later when he was recast or like casting this show on Broadway he actually asked me to to join the show and I was like at first I kind of I thought you know the ballet is not really a revolving door like if you leave you're like you're gone forever you know you don't you don't just come back but what was really cool of my director he ended up letting me take a quote leave of absence for you know six months to go perform on Broadway and during that six months I fell in love with Broadway and um and couldn't really imagine going back to the ballet because it just didn't feel like I was moving forward if I went back to the ballet so it was like um I called Helgi the director and we both agreed that the best he had come to see the show on Broadway and was really proud of us um as ballerinas to be you know singing and dancing and acting and doing all that fun stuff so he was really proud and and kind of agreed that it was a good decision for me to continue and stay with American of Paris which which uh never looked back was awesome it was the, yeah. it was a great experience but that it really it happened like the audition started like you know 10 years before I did the show on Broadway really so it was a slow transition and it was really easy to do because I knew the choreographer and director on Broadway and that that, like made it so much more welcoming and less scary it felt really Mm -hmm. exciting and and the fact that I had San Francisco Ballet supporting me was like dreamy you know I was like wait I have a job if I want to go back like that's amazing so it wasn't really a revolving door in that sense but um God, it was dreamy. That's all I can say. Yeah, Very oh, good. <laughs> so, so what did it feel like then packing up in San Francisco and then obviously you had to live in New York? Uh, yeah, well, it's exciting. I mean, yeah. let's be real. It's not like a bad city or anything. <laughs> New York is incredible. And um, we ended up um, finding this place um, in Upper West Side, which I absolutely love. And mm-hmm. um and we still have the place and, and the love going back every once in a while um, to do little projects. But um, going to New York, come, I mean, come on. The hardest thing I think was um, my husband's work is mostly in San Francisco. So he he was bi-coastal for over two years. And that was actually kind of challenging only because I missed him like crazy all the time. You know, whenever he was in, in New York, it was like the heaven, you know. The, the, like it was so wonderful and um and I missed him when when he wasn't there but I was so busy and I was so tired all the time that like probably worked out because I slept <laughs> so much doing eight shows a week is no joke mm-hmm. um so I was I, after the show closed I think I slept for three months straight like my friend actually came over one day he's like you need to get out of bed like this is this is ridiculous like I'm still so tired He's like, you gotta, you, we, you gotta move on. Like, this is not okay. <laughs> Three months. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Anyway, but I was so tired all the time. So I think that actually helped. But moving and packing up was, I mean, at least I'm not going to, you know, some corner of the world that nobody's heard about. It was like I'm going to New York and I'm performing in Times Square. Like it was dreamy. It was awesome. Great. Very cool. <laughs> so let's talk about. Uh, your work as Empress then so um, so the close yeah. so American Paris cl- closed in 2017 and then you've been working a, you know sometime after yeah. that on on Empress so what well, has that journey been like for you good question um, yeah I I basically after the show closed 
slept for three months and started dreaming again. I'm a big dreamer and, and, um, and I, I think as an adult, I've learned to like ask myself, am I dreaming big enough? So I started like figuring out what I wanted. Um, so then I could have like this sort of target, if you will, you know, like, where do I want to, what do I want? And what does that look like? And I'm going to make sure that it's really, you know, like really what I want and knowing what I know now in the performing arts, like what, you know, what that actually looks like and all that. It was fun to kind of go back to the drawing board and dream. And it took me two years to kind of figure out what style music I wanted to pursue, which was pop and it turned into pop. And, um, and then kind of build a team and have a, a bunch of music. I mean, the, the music industry is so fun. I mean, I can't tell you, like, especially compared to how difficult the ballet world is, because you're always striving for this, like, perfection um, that doesn't exist, you know? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's just, it's the thing that you will strive for until the cows come home. If you do three turns, you could have done four. And it's like, there's always something you could have done better, you know? So um, going from that world and then to Broadway, where it was like, just, about your average, it was like a batting average. It was like, hey, if you have one bad show, you know, a week, that's fine. You have like one bad show, but you had seven great shows. So it's like, you know, it's it's interesting. So that just shifted everything and like made me realize, wait, I'm gonna create this world where it's always perfect and perfection doesn't actually exist, but it's like you just, you're kind to yourself. You're creating all of these wonderful things. I'm gonna write these empowerment anthems. I'm gonna write things that actually, um, you know, settle into, to, like they're like seeds in your brain where it like starts planting seeds for the next generation of, of young girls to become empowered, empowered women. Mm-hmm. And, um, and young boys to feel like they're loved by women so that they grow up and love on women and you know and and so that we don't have more Harvey Weinsteins in the world you know it's like it's a it's a it's a total circle of of like you know what I wanted to create was an empowering thing for everybody so that everybody owns their own crown they're not like looking for approval from someone else it's it's just like a really cool planet that I'm or empire, I guess, if, if you will, mm-hmm. that I'm kind of putting together. And so it took, it took a couple years of dreaming and planning and storyboarding and finding the right team. And now I feel like I've found the right team and I'm, I'm ready to, you know, really put it out there. But I think mm-hmm. you, there's a lot more planning that goes into success than the average person kind of sees on the surface you know like oh yeah she was always talented or oh you know of course you know this was gonna be good or whatever but no there's there's like a hundred songs that you write for every one or two songs that you're gonna put out on an album so it's it takes a lot of planning and work and and that's that's what I've been up to especially during this pandemic (laughs) this global pandemic is like the perfect time for everything to kind of like re I don't know revisit your dreams and goals and kind of you know, start a new direction because everything stopped. It's like the wheel of the world just was like going, going. There was no incentive for it to stop and then it broke and everyone's like, whoa, 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 what is happening? So now, you know, with technology, we're figuring out cool new ways to be with people, even if we're not actually physically together and, um, you know, just redefining the wheel really that has been turning for it's the beginning of time. 
Yeah. That is now stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that <sighs> so that does have me curious then on on you know you launching your music career uh, around this time. So mm-hmm. you know obviously there's no live shows happening anywhere. Right. So how yeah. do you uh, engage your fans? How do you build your you know your your base that way and what kinds of things are you focused on right now so that once things are, you know, uh, at least public, yeah. you're, you can then go full forward. Full steam yeah. ahead. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know this is, it's really fascinating that like my favorite thing in the entire world is to perform and all of a sudden, like, I don't <laughs> see that happening anytime soon. Cause even if, even if people are healthy and safe to kind of go out you know, when are we going to feel really safe to go in big groups of people and fill a theater Mm -hmm. or a stadium like with people and, and not be worried about spreading COVID or, you know, being responsible for getting your fans sick or, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a big responsibility. So I guess what I've been doing is I've been going back to the drawing board. I'm starting this new company for virtual reality. Um, we're going to start putting performances together there. I think that's the new like frontier um, mm-hmm. for the performing arts. Not that we're going to be replacing the performing arts, but um, just enhancing it and kind of connect, being able to connect. So we're starting that. Um, it's called My Empire XR, which I'm super excited about. And then, and it's kind of just creating like a new virtual theater, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're excited about that. And, um, and then just like creating music, I wrote this symphony, um, like 10 years ago and I just have not been in one place long enough to actually like attend to it and orchestrate it. And I've been using this time to kind of go back in in time and orchestrate it. And that might be used for San Francisco ballet next year for their ballet season, which is like incredible. Um, and, and then just putting out new music and figuring out how to make a you know, high quality content during this time where you can't necessarily go to a studio and work with your producers in person. So we're just writing new music, working on old music, getting things lined up so that when the time is right and it doesn't feel like contrived or disconnected to what's going on, then we release new stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I think um, for now it's like reaching out um, via, you know, podcasts like your podcast it's like a great way to kind of connect with people and and bring your story to their homes without having them leave you know so they can stay home and stay safe yeah yeah so it's it's interesting especially now um until you know until recently i spend a lot of time in tech and vr has always been kind of one of those like cool gadgets but yeah this has catapulted the vr industry like it's like basically strapped a rocket on like the back of a, you know, a go cart or something. It's like, you know, it wasn't going, wasn't going, wasn't going, wasn't going. And then this happened. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's like, boom, you know? So it is, it's, I've been keeping my tabs on it for about five years. Um, and it, it really hasn't been the right time for VR, you know, and, and it felt like I was getting involved with the VR and AR um, because I felt like potentially if the arts and the art and artists weren't involved with the creation of it, that they would accidentally kind of 
replace us as artists. And I was also worried that performing arts like the ballet and even Broadway were going to be kind of forgotten in the new age um, in the 21st century in a way because they're not really bringing in I don't even want to say younger audiences they're just not bringing in new audiences um, you know the if you go to a ballet it's it's a you know it's a very old you know, and not like an age. It's just like it's a very different audience than what is being attracted to with like pop music and big, you know, arenas and stages and stuff. So it's it's just like if they're not reaching out online to younger new audiences, how are they getting out there? And they were there was no incentive for them to be doing that until now. <laughs> and now everything's online, and you know they're they're like looking for new ways to explore that. And I think that VR is just like. Dun, da, 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 like we're the new hero so um you know it's it's an exciting time for vr i think who knows but as long as artists are involved with the creation of it i think mm -hmm. that it'll benefit humanity otherwise it could really go sideways in my opinion yeah. um where you know we don't connect with human beings anymore we don't need them we you know replace them with superheroes that don't exist you know it's like it could it could go sideways let's just real um with video games and all that fun stuff it's it's not really great for humanity in my opinion so that's my mission is to empower people and remind them that we're not replacing we're just enhancing the performing arts and bringing the 21st century you know to life i think yeah well, that's that's really cool. Yeah, it's you know, especially in the in the end of of 2020, the the physical experience of being in a theater or even at a sporting event, is, right, is completely going to be changed and updated. And I've I've seen a couple of companies working on, let's say, you know, the on the AR side of it, a, mm -hmm. you know, little projections where you can watch a basketball game that's actually being played live in an arena somewhere, but it's being broadcast on your table or something like that. Yeah. So that's, I think this is going to be fascinating to see how the, you know, the theater world adapts because, you know, the, yeah, there was no incentive for them yeah. to adapt until this happened. So, right. uh, you know, in a lot of ways, this, this is positive and we're going to see a lot of change happen and, and hopefully it's a good change, you know, as long mm -hmm. as there's like good people involved and they're not, and and I think it's really important to kind of actually think long term when you're thinking of these tech projects because um, you know we tend to just be like in the now and don't really think about the future of when we're creating we're not thinking about like oh we'll figure that out when the time comes it's that that's usually the mentality I think especially in Silicon Valley mm -hmm. but if you really think like how is this gonna affect you know people in a hundred years that starts changing your design you know mm -hmm. you kind of start thinking about like well what do you, you know how is this going to impact people um in the future and and is that good change or is it negative and if it's negative then you know if you keep going forward then i don't think the product is going to be as thoughtful and great you know mm -hmm. anyway th these are all my opinions that's all. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I'm not yeah. like pointing fingers. I'm just saying that there, you know, we need to start thinking about what the future looks like sooner than, than the, oh shit, you know, this is not going well. <laughs> you know, like, let's try and put a bandaid on a bigger problem. So I think that it's, it's important to put plan and um, put some energy into what we want the future to look like. Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. So talk to me about times when you feel fear and how in your life you have pushed past that. That is the best question ever. Thank you, Yuri. (laughs) Um, Because that there's been so many times in my performance career where like literally just fear sets in where like I don't know what to do or um, you know you fall and and it's it's like you're injured but you have to get up and somehow dance your way off stage or you know it there's been there's been moments in my career where it's almost like you have to um, compartmentalize everything and you go all right um this is a situation that I'm in right now, but I'm not going to deal with it right this second. I'm going to, you know, um, do this first and then get back to that when the time comes kind of, you, you have to like literally compartmentalize. I mean, there's moments where I've had, you know, somebody tell me really bad news or sad news or scary news. Um, and then I have to go on stage and be really happy. And so you just kind of have to like box that sad news up box that feeling up and deal with it a little bit later when you can process it and whatever. Um, so like, how do I deal with fear? I think, uh, like anything practice makes perfect. You get really good at, um, dealing with things and under pressure. Um, the more times you've done something, you know, like, I guess I have to say there's like a, there's this point where (laughs) I don't even, I'm not, I'm like totally rambling right now and I'm trying to find a way to to say this so that it's not like shocking or anything but like where you've had a day where you've had like the worst experience ever everything after that kind of is easier after like like you kind of become the Betty Davis like puff puff you know let me tell you something honey you know like it back in my day I got went through this this and this if you've had one of those days it's kind of like me singing in front of 3,000 people for the first time ever when my parents wouldn't tell the people that they were sitting next to in the audience that they were my parents because if I was bad, they could just get up and leave the theater and no one would have to say anything like uh, awkward, like, yeah, your daughter was great. So like those those moments that you have where you're like so afraid and then you get through them and it, you didn't die (laughs) I think you have the the like Betty Davis syndrome where she's like hey back in my day we weren't even allowed to blah 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 you know whatever it was um it's it could have been worse honey you know that kind of vibe um I don't know I think for me I've had some really extreme situations in my career that I had to get through and now if I have an extreme situation I'm like well it's nothing compared to <laughs> that day. Mm-hmm. Um and unfortunately I don't have like a secret concoction except for you know you pray, you just trust that things are going to work out. If you're dealing with fear, then you just kind of got to lean in. You got to push forward and get through it and then get to the other side because when you get to the other side, that's when you are you feel more invincible and and the more points that you have of getting to the other side, um, the less fear I think you have um, in the long run. I don't know. That was probably a very average answer, but um, we're going to go with it. I, then I, I think it's absolutely great because it it uh, it's describes your journey, which is which is yeah. Good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. So, with everything that you have done and experienced so far, what would you say has been the best advice that you have ever received? <laughs> 
Great question. I would say this comes from my mom. And this was like a seven-year-old that she was talking to. And she said, dream big, honey. You can do anything you want. And she um, always told me to dream big. And I think that the advice that I would give is to always dream big. And then my adult advice would be ask yourself periodically, am I dreaming big enough? Because when those dreams come true and sometimes, you know, most of the times if you're very um, persistent, they will come true. And, um, and sometimes they're not all that they were cracked up to be because you didn't dream big enough and you didn't take the time to continuously dream through the dream in a way. Um, I know that was like a metaphor within a metaphor, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, I think my advice that, you know, coming from my mom's advice, that was the best advice ever was dream big. My advice to that is dream bigger dream can ask yourself if you're dreaming big enough. The end. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Empress, thank you so much for for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. If the listeners would like so much, of course, (laughs) would like to listen to your music um, or read more about your journey and what you're up to, where can they go online for uh, all all things you? Yeah, all things me is going to probably be the best place is probably my website, which is www.empress-music.com. That's where you can find everything about me in one place. Um, Otherwise, you can look me up on Spotify. Actually, every single um, music streaming service in the entire world, um, I will be Empress and you can look me up and should be in there. Mm -hmm. And then um, my favorite social media um channel is still instagram because i just like pretty pictures let's be real (laughs) i'm a magazine reader who reads in pictures so my empress uh empress.music is my handle and you can find me there wonderful and i will put links in the show notes if you look look right through perfect thank you so much for having me this was really fun to chat with you of course thank you so much Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.